listening to audio from the table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.com. Grace and peace, Table Podcast listeners. So good to be with you all yet again. Another week. So we are in part two in our series titled Rooted, Grounded Discipleship. And uh, my goal in this series is really just kind of, here we are at the beginning of the year. I want to serve as a refresher on some of the basics of following Jesus. And so my hope is that it's a very uh, practical series. So with that in mind, the title of my message this week is How to Pray. How to Pray. And I want to frame this message with a, a few scriptures. And then I'm going to give you a quote by theologian Sarah Coakley that um, kind of brings them together. So our first text, uh, first scripture is from uh, Christ himself, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Very famous passage, probably familiar to, uh, to many of you. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our second scripture is from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul writes, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. All right, now for our quote. This is theologian Sarah Coakley. It is a bit lengthy, but she's she's, um, reflecting on the two scriptures, and like I said, really kind of brings them um, together in a way that I think is helpful. So she wrote these words. Jesus' disciples ask him, what to do when they pray. And they are given a set of fundamental petitions. And then in very profound passage in Romans 8, Paul acknowledges that we do not know how to pray or even what to ask for. I don't think these two passages are incompatible. We know that Jesus spent a lot of time seeking to be alone, praying to his Abba, Clearly, he didn't restrict his prayers to punctiliar requests. That's kind of weird language, but she's um, really just referencing how in the Lord's Prayer, it's um, a lot of like petitions or requests of God, you know, of Lord, may your kingdom come, may, may your will, God, happen. Would you give me daily bread? Give us daily bread. You know, it's a lot of requesting. Uh, she continues, and indeed, the deeper one goes into the Lord's Prayer, the more one sees that the seemingly generic requests he gives us, like thy kingdom come, summon up a whole way of displacing oneself or waiting for something else to arrive. Coakley continues, It took me a long time to realize this, but I think that what seems to be our sheer incompetence in prayer which I think a lot of people can relate to. Can you? Like, I just, I'm not good at this. (laughs) What seems to be our sheer incompetence in prayer is actually the place 
where something is happening. It is God invading our willed vulnerability. I think a lot of people try to pray and then give up. They just feel it isn't right for them. They aren't good at it. But prayer is not like riding a bicycle or getting a good grade on a term paper. It's something sui generis. That means, by the way, um, utterly unique or of its own kind. Precisely because relating to God isn't like relating to anything or anyone else. That's the first and most important point. We should always pray as we can, not as we can't. End quote. All right. So, so based on all that, I want to jump right in. And I've got lots of points today. We've got three insights into prayer. Uh, and then, as promised, I want to get practical. I want to cover six steps on how to pray towards the, the end of the message. And, and I think hopefully you'll see how these are really drawing from Matthew 6, Romans 8, and specifically kind of the juxtaposition of those two, and then some from the, the Coakley quote. All right, so insight number one, prayer, both with and without words, comes to much the same thing. It's the quality of our attention to the Holy Spirit and our presence that matters most. You know, I used to think there was a a vast canyon between praying with words and praying without words. In my mind, to pray without words, that was to be calm, centered, meditative, while to pray with words was to be, well, wordy, active, busy-minded. But the further I've journeyed, the more I've begun to realize that what matters most when it comes to prayer is not your your exact technique, the, the words you use or don't use, but rather the quality of your attention to the Spirit of God, your presence. In other words, there is a way to pray with words, that can be deeply focused, attentive, meditative, healing, and restorative for you and others. Just like there's a way to pray without words that can be distracted, stressed, striving, and busy-minded. I've also found that, uh, and this is something Coakley points out, that one tends to lead to the other. For example, from a place of silence, I have at times found a certain yearning to begin to hold others up before God, a yearning to speak to God honestly, to pray the Lord's Prayer, and vice versa, as Coakley names. I've also found that praying with words, like in the Lord's Prayer, naturally leads me into a place of silence as I start to realize, hmm, I do not quite know what I am praying when I pray your kingdom come. I mean, that's quite the statement. Like, your reality, God, your domain, may it happen in my life, in my family, in my church, my community. God, may it, may it happen here and now. Like, what, what, what would that even mean? What would have to change? Like, that's a big <laughs> prayer. Or, uh, your will be done. Again, profound words. So sometimes it's the silence that leads you into words. Other times it's those words that lead you into a place of stillness and silence. When you realize, hmm, I'm not really sure what I'm praying when I pray these words. So that's the first insight. 
whether you're praying with or without words, that's, that's not the main thing. The main thing is the quality of your attention and your presence. Now, you might say, what do you mean by quality of your attention and presence? I'm so glad you asked. That's insight number two. Part of why we struggle at prayer is because our default mental mode is mostly one of stress, hurry, worry, and flurry. Like, this is why we're not very good at it. Now, by mental mode, I mean the, the emotional head space, our heart space that we're in. Um, and that's also what I mean by quality of presence. Like, in other words, there are times when you and I, when we're centered, uh, to use that metaphor, it's a good, good one. Like, you know, when you're just kind of at peace and your mind, if not completely quiet, like it's just, you know, it's, it's at rest and it's fine and you're fine. And then there are the other times, maybe we might even say in modern society, most of the time where we are stressed out, we're in a hurry, we're worrying, we're all a flurry. And you, now you, at times you might wonder like, well, how do I know exactly which mode I'm in? Uh, well, here's one surefire way, at least for me to be able to tell, maybe it'll be helpful, helpful for you too. So I often um, ask myself, all right, in this moment, could I do a boring task? And by boring, I don't necessarily mean it's, I don't know, like bad. It's just, you know, kind of a low stimulation task, like doing the dishes or driving or folding laundry or watching my kids play at the park, especially when they were younger. I mean, that's very boring. Like you're basically just sitting there and making sure they don't get hurt, you know, but it's, that's a long hour. <laughs> and so my question is, can I, not just can I do that task, but can I do that without some other stimulation or distraction, without a, a podcast on or the television in the background or music or conversations, like just some other distraction? Um, and now it's not to say those things are bad, like, oh, never have a conversation when you do dishes. No, it's simply this is just an indicator of I know I'm, I'm um, in a good place when I can simply just quietly do those things. And I'm like, hey, it's fine. It's fine. And the verse, vice versa. I know I'm in a not so good place when the idea of doing something simple and quiet like that without something else, some other stimulus coming in. Oh, if that idea fills me with dread and I, and I need, I like crave something else to distract me from me. You know, if I write then we're like, I'm going to go pray, you know, it's probably going to be rough. <laughs> you know, so one way to think of this is that very boring, uh, very low stimulation tasks bring really just brings us face to face with ourselves, uh, with our minds, with our unconscious, with our feelings, you know, all those things we've been avoiding for the last few decades. Yeah, it all kind of comes up. And so what do we do? We tend to turn to some other form of stimulation, podcast, music, audiobooks, conversation, I mean, anything, anything to avoid. When, um, when we were going through the process of leaving our previous church community in order to start the table, it was, uh, it was really challenging and it's a difficult time emotionally for a whole host of reasons I won't go into. Um, but you know, we had very deep relationships with wonderful folks. I mean, like we're talking, you know, 15, 20 year relationships, um, some even longer. And, but at the same time, we were having like some, some theological disagreements 
And it was, you know, it was emotionally, it was tumultuous. It was really hard. And what I noticed, especially in retrospect, but even kind of in the moment, I was somewhat aware. Um, I have never in my life listened to more sports talk podcasts than in that season. Like it was like this three month period where if I was alone, I was listening to the junk food of audio information, uh, which for me is sports talk. <laughs> like if I was just, you know, sitting at my table eating and no one else was there. Oh no, I couldn't handle it. Needed the podcast. If I was driving, had to have the podcast. If I was on a run, a pod, any something, I need it. I need it. I just needed the stimulus. And and just to be clear, I'm not like judging myself or anyone else. Like, oh, how how could you? That's that's so bad. No, the, in that season, that's simply what I needed to cope. But again, it was a good indicator, though. A good indicator for me to know. Oh, oh, I'm in pain. And I'm coping. And in that season, you know, not surprisingly, prayer was, it was a challenge. It was something I I kind of found myself wanting to um, avoid because I was going to have to face some of those feelings. Now, of course, at the same time, that was precisely the season in which I most needed prayer. I most needed uh, at least some space to to lovingly, in the presence of God, begin to face some of those feelings, right? So, so just to kind of reiterate this, prayer so often comes back to the mental mode we are in. And to pray well, at least in the long term, we really are going to have to learn to calm down, slow down, to embrace silence and stillness, right? To improve our mental mode. As we do that prayer, Um, becomes easier, becomes more enjoyable. All right, third insight. And here I'm really drawing from Sarah Coakley. Pray as you can, not as you can't. (laughs) So there may be seasons when you really need the anchor of Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Like you need to be given the words to pray. You need something concrete, right? You need to be able to sit down, and have a plan like, okay, uh, Father who is in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, right? And you just, you need the, the prayers. Um, this is where other people pray the Psalms, which can be very anchoring and helpful to be given the words. Or there's even other prayer books that aren't necessarily in the Bible, but um, just prayer books people have, have written. And that can be very anchoring, right? And helpful. So there may be seasons where that's what you need. However, there may be other seasons of life. Seasons where words fail you, where words are just too wordy, (laughs) Uh, seasons where maybe they're even a little bit triggering for you, especially if you've been in like a time of deconstruction or something where maybe the the classical language of the Bible and Christian history and theology is just like, oh, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it right now. Maybe in a year or two or three, maybe I can come back to it. But right now, oh, I cannot. Okay. Okay. That's fine. No need to freak out. Maybe in this season, all you need to do is sit in silence. Or maybe it's a season of grief for you where you literally only have not just a wordless prayer, but as Romans 8 specifically names, a groaning prayer. Just a groan 
maybe even a groan that's hard to distinguish between your groan and the groan of the Spirit of God. Or perhaps in a more positive sense, there's simply a season where you feel drawn to emphasize one form of prayer more than another for a time. That's fine. The point is, engage the form of prayer that you need in that season. Don't be locked into an ideal of saying, well, you know, this is real prayer. This is the only prayer. Or this is pure prayer or, you know, whatever. Like, no, no, just pray, pray the way you can in that season, the way that gives you life. I'm um, thinking back to my own journey. There was there was a season where I was doing some deconstructing and such, and I couldn't do the classic prayers anymore. Uh, and in silence, that was my pathway. That was the thing I need. I just I just needed quiet, and it was like through that, I rediscovered, reacquainted myself, really kind of with myself, and with God. And then a few years later, suddenly I found myself able to pray again, to pray the Psalms, to pray the Lord's Prayer, and and so on. Uh, By the way, this also relates to how long we should pray. I think sometimes we we get a little ahead of ourselves and we think things like, well, you know, all the great people of God, they prayed for an hour a day, so I've got to do that too. Um, And I'll be honest, sometimes I feel a little guilty uh, that I don't pray longer. You know, here I am, pastor, spiritual leader, really kind of seems like my minimum should be an hour a day. But uh, truth be told, I'm just not in that season. Uh, And believe me, I've tried. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, here we are. We're starting the table and then I work a part-time job and I've got three kiddos and uh, certain times I'm coaching soccer and I've got, you know, chores and housework and all just the million one little household tasks. And then, of course, I'm trying to stay married in the midst of it. (laughs) So, so I've, you know, I've learned like, hey, look, look, this is just the season I'm in. And, you know, some days, five minutes, that's what I got. It just, that's where I am. And then, you know, some days it's, it's many days, actually. It's longer than that. But an hour? Okay, that's a rare one. Uh, but the point is, there's no need to carry guilt or shame or unrealistic expectations. Like, just pray as you can. Pray as you can. Just do what you can. Do what is sustainable, not what isn't sustainable. So, all right, in closing, let's talk about how to pray. How to pray in this, let's do all the adjectives, centered, restful, unhurried, vulnerable, honest, allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through us kind of way. <laughs> that was a lot of adjectives. I saw them uh, written down in my in my sermon here. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> so many adjectives. But okay, so you get it, right? Let's talk about how to pray. I'm gonna give you six steps. Step number one, Wear your pajamas or other comfy clothing and find a quietish place. Uh, You see, what I'm really getting at here is like, you don't have to dress up for God. You know, be be real, be yourself, and uh, and make the time as enjoyable as possible. I also named uh, find a quietish place. I realize you know it can depending on your season of life. Maybe you have lots of silence and your home is very quiet. Maybe not at all, especially if you get in, in the young kid season. Um, maybe your home's not so quiet like mine. <laughs> That's okay. Just find a, a quiet-ish place. Uh, step two, 
sit, stand, kneel, or lay comfortably. You'll learn over time what's best for you. Uh, People will sometimes say, you know, posture, oh, that doesn't matter when you pray. And maybe it seems like that's what I'm saying, but actually, no, 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 I, I, I do think posture matters. Posture does, it impacts your body and through the body impacts your mind. So it, it matters. Um, what I'm naming is that you, you need to maybe play with some of the different postures and figure out the posture that's best for, best for you and for the type of praying you are doing. Like, for example, I found um, kneeling makes a lot of sense when I'm in a, a kind of petition request mode with God, when I'm maybe praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, there's something about kneeling before God that I think is so powerful. And But on the other hand, if I'm going to like enter into silence, I found sitting makes a lot of sense. Um, not only because of the length of time, but even the posture, whether you're sitting cross-legged in kind of a, a more meditative, you know, classical meditation uh, posture with some pillows underneath you, or just on a, a hard chair with your back straight. Um, that's people have found that that tends to be kind of sustainable for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. Um, you know, as opposed to kneeling on the ground, you know, after maybe t- t- five, 10 minutes, maybe for some of us, 60 seconds, that's about, <laughs> that's about all we can do. So, uh, the point is, you know, try some different things. You'll learn over time, um, what's best for you. All right. Step three, when you begin, Focus your mind and heart on God. Say or think, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Remember, again, prayer is ultimately about the quality of your presence. It's showing up for God. It's learning to rest in this attentive heart posture before God. So I found this this little saying that's a helpful way to just remind yourself again, like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm praying. I'm showing up before God. So here I am, Lord. And it really sets your intention for that time. Step four, allow words, Matthew 6, to lead into silence, Romans 8, or vice versa. Allow the silence to lead you into words. The, the point is though, remember, whether you're praying with or without words, it, that's less important than the quality of your attention and your presence. It's really about the the quality of how honest, how vulnerably you're showing up uh, before God. Step five, when you notice your mind wandering, gently return to God's presence. The, The key word there is gentle people beat themselves up a lot around prayer and silence. They say, oh, I'm no, I'm no good at this. Oh, I'm terrible. My mind just wanders everywhere. Yeah, correct. Everyone's mind wanders everywhere, especially in the first decade of praying. So <laughs> just return to Christ's presence. And again, the key word gently, not judgmentally, not harshly, not, oh my gosh, such a screw up. Why can't I be good at this? Like, no, no, just like, oh, I, I wandered. Just gently return to, to Christ's presence. Step six, end your prayer time with gratitude and a smile. Make these times as enjoyable as possible. Even if in the prayer time you had to face some hard things, some difficult emotions came up. That's okay. That's that's good. Just remain relaxed. Remain in this posture of gratitude. That will keep you coming back. So my prayer for you is that we would all learn how to pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.